He dicked the whole program. No, it's keep rolling. I'll, I'll, it's my problem for later. (laughs) (laughs) You did this to us. You did this to yourself. I did this to me. Yeah, exactly. It's fine. (laughs) Uh, hey, buddies. Plural. More than one bud. Yeah. It's weird. It's very weird. (laughs) Is it, it's weird. It's weird to see people again. It's weird to be on the show again, Rob. We haven't seen you on the show in a hot minute. I know, man. I know. Although uh, this is more normal for us, though, because last time we did the show, it was remotely because we do not share the state with you. No, I was going to say we've we've only ever recorded remotely with Rob. I've never met Rob in person. No, no. One of these days, I could. Be, I'm like a cryptid in New York State. Nobody's really <laughs> met me. Nobody can. Nobody can attest to meeting me ever. Is Rob real? <laughs> what if Rob was real this week on the What If podcast? Exactly. exactly. He is real. He's here with us. Hi, Rob. How are you? I'm good, Ryan. How are you, man? How are you both? Fucking getting by, bud. Getting by. Yep. Yep. I feel that. Another day, no dollars. <laughs> Another day, no beers. I I think we should come up with a list of all the cliches that we've all had to learn because of nothing happening in the pandemic, you know? Mm-hmm. Dude, if, if mm, man, if I come into a Zoom call with somebody that I've talked to in like the last six months and they ask me some small talk bullshit, what are we doing? I heard, I heard same spoon, same soup, different spoon the other day. Yep. I hate yeah. that so much more than just like, that that's on the level of like people who say happy Tuesday to to strangers. <laughs> but I mean like you like, guys come on, live in a, in a Is in that a really making fa- you happier? Yeah, you live in a fairly sizable city though. I live in small town USA like uh like 2800 people maybe. That's that's what we're dealing with. Oh man, to do, do like does everybody know each other? No, not in my town. My town, <laughs> everybody keeps themselves most of the time. Twenty eight hundred people, and um, none of us fuck with each other. No, no, I don't fuck. <laughs> I don't fuck with these people at all. At all. <laughs> uh, Rob's, uh, Rob's just like the random guy on the street corner holding up signs that everybody just like boos when they drive by. Boo this man! <laughs> I, I, I would if I gave a damn about this town. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, dude! I had speaking of just bullshit small talk interactions. I was taking the dog for a walk today, and I walked. I was walking down the sidewalk, and there was a guy who was loading some stuff into a pickup that was parked on the street. And I had headphones in, but I saw that he like looked at me and said something, but I didn't hear him. So I took my headphones out and said, "Sorry, what was that?" And he just goes, "That's a handsome dog there." <laughs> and then just like fucking mean mugged the shit out of me, just stared at me, and I was like. Uh, yeah, thanks. And he's just like, yeah. <laughs> like, making direct angry eye contact with me the whole time. Thumbs while telling up, me that man. my dog was handsome. And I was a little scared, but very confused. Uh, it seems like he was right on the verge of, like, handsome dog would be a shame if something <laughs> happened to it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, did you did you think I was going to like offer him to you or what did you what was your next step here after I said 
Thank you. Also, I never know how to respond when people compliment your dog because, like, I shouldn't be. I didn't do anything to make him handsome. Right. Right. Oh, I don't think that's true. You feed him. I, mean, I, br- I brush him and like you make sure he him. stays alive and stuff. You brush him. You make sure, him sure. make sure that he's nice so that he doesn't attack people. <laughs> he's much less handsome if he's biting. You know. <laughs> okay. Fair. So you've but done like, a lot of things to make that dog presentable. To I feel the like world. I'm intercepting the dog's compliment by saying thank you. I guess it would have been even less comfortable if the guy had said like, "Hey man, you're handsome," <laughs> and then mean mug the shit out It'd of me. It'd be one thing if you were teaching your dog like a jump shot, and he's like, "Yo, I saw your dog throwing down jays, and it was amazing." <laughs> right then then you're like I, I fucking know right if my <laughs> dog was air bud i would yeah, i would intercept all of his compliments yeah absolutely anyway. i think you get to intercept the compliment because oh i do Mar- it just feels weird marcy doesn't know the goddamn difference and right like i said you are you are the preservation of that animal so mm-hmm. you're like yeah we did make him pretty enough for the world to see today thank you very Bye. much sir my move today was I said thank you, but then I gave Marcy a treat, so he knew something good was happening. So I feel like that kind of balanced it out a little so bit. So you were in full dad dog mode, and you just it just kind of like it went so awkward that you didn't even recognize the moment. I, I guess, yeah. I was <laughs> I was mostly just like trying to decide how quickly I needed to leave. So and if this much. man was going to try and hurt me or my dog. <laughs> when did the tenets of like normal conversation just break down? Like what year did it happen and why is it still this like downward like slope on a graph here and, and conversations just continue to become weirder and weirder with people? Well, I now mean, none of us we have, don't any have practice. Pra- we, yeah. I was just going to say, we ain't got no practice now. So everyone like, I feel like the next time I actually go to a grocery store and interact with people, I'm going to be like, how are have a thanks you are mm, fuck and then I'm gonna run I'm just pickles. gonna run uh, pickles <laughs> do you pickles jar, today do you jar your cucumber <laughs> vinegar you're just so, like fucking robot I, I guess the real question fruits. is because like I've always lived in small towns like uh, I went from a town that has um, probably about thirty eight hundred people and we downsized a little bit. Do you guys just like have normal conversations with people in like grocery stores, like out of nowhere, just like with strangers? Is that what what you do in cities? Because I have no clue. It depends. I mean, like even in we live in a big city, but like I know my neighbors and I'll talk to my neighbors. And when I used to go to the gym, like I would see the same people at the gym all the time. So like, you know, you you maybe have conversations with them. I don't talk to people at the grocery store. That's weird. That's very buy, weird. At stores, I, mean, I buy my shit and I leave. Or, you know, you talk to, like, the, the person working the register or whatever, but... I I'm did not, my best to not, like, like spend a lot of time around people that I didn't know before <laughs> I was biologically dissuaded from not spending time <laughs> with people I don't know. Exactly. So, I yeah, I mean... Not that I'm opposed to it. Like, I'm actually a friendly person and I'll talk to people. But generally speaking, I just don't have a ton of like moments to even have those conversations. Like, I don't take public transportation. I either bike or drive, grocery store. And see, the other thing, man, is, you know, it's the Spencer trick. 
you got to have those headphones in because you always have a plausible way to, even if you hear it, Spence, you would have been fully within your rights to hear that guy say something to you, even if you didn't hear what he said to you and just fucking keep Yeah, you, you had <laughs> and, and an see, opportunity I, I, to walk by a, a potential murderer and you would have been fine. <laughs> I, I often do in that situation, right? But this dude's demeanor made me stop and be like is something wrong like is he is he offended by the existence of you because of that dog is so goddamn handsome like his expression did not convey i just saw a cute dog (laughs) so i I didn't think that's probably what he had said to me maybe maybe it did but his version of that's a cute dog is like fuck that's a cute dog (laughs) oh my god oh it's so pretty it makes me upset inside that i've never seen this dog before dude my uh how did i live this long without having seen that dog (laughs) the uh the best compliment marcy's ever gotten is one guy just said that's the tallest i've seen (laughs) that was the whole sentence back to the back to the headphone thing though like Katie bought back when she used to ride transit to and from work every day, bought like the biggest over the ear Bluetooth headphones possible Mm. just to visually dissuade people from talking to her on, on the train every day. It's a great idea. If that's not your, if that's not your bag, great idea. Like if you named them like on the Bluetooth, their name was uh, talk blockers. <laughs> nice. Just like, the biggest noise canceling headphones possible. It, it, like either if you don't want to carry on conversations, or like in my uh, in my situation, if you're not if you're not strong in the conversation game, you've got to you've got those tools at your disposal. You got to use them. I use them at work because mm. I'm in a, a, a loud ass room for eight hours a day, and I'm like uh, I got to drown out the shit. I've got. Um, I got a little tinnitus, which is not great. I don't recommend it. Uh, zero out of ten. Definitely don't recommend. So you got to protect your ears out there. But uh, it is definitely a nice tool for ignoring people, uh, so I can get my shit done. Yeah, I, I never, I never realized how good I had it when I was teaching, mm. because, I mean, yeah, you got to deal with a bunch of kids, but whatever. You can just have like nonsense conversations with them, and and it's great. But, like, the adults are legally obligated to be in separate rooms from each other throughout the day. (laughs) Like, I can't leave this room, and you can't leave that one. So, fucking sorry. We got 30 minutes a day to eat our lunch maybe in the same room, but that's it. Until then, I'm talking about comic books with these kids. Yeah, exactly. That's okay with me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This this room is purely rap music and comic book conversations. So, (laughs) and I'm the only adult. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. All right, Rob has... Absurd alien stories prepped for us, so we should probably it's, get to those soon. It's like uh, it's it's story time with Uncle Rob in live. The it's, it's unplugged. In the flesh. Unplugged. <laughs> Real quick, we we all got to share our joy for the week though before we do oh, that. Oh yeah, we do. I can we, go first for once because unless Ryan, you actually have one ready. Do it. Okay. Do it. My, I was telling Rob while you were trying to figure out your dang. Blue blue balls headphones. Uh, Try again. <laughs> bazooka tooth headphones. Also, no. <laughs> that my in laws are getting vaccinated tomorrow, hey! and that's fucking great. That is good news because they are old and one of them has cancer. So it is tight that they will be vaccinated soon. 
That seems, they seem pretty high on the list of folks who should. And they live in a town with like 17 people. So by default, they were pretty high on the list. For their town? <laughs> yes. <laughs> their hospital serves a, a good baker's dozen. Hot damn. <laughs> <laughs> in their town, they're just like, they're just like, look, we got, anybody want two? Like, we got extra. I mean, you should make sure you're arms. good and vaccinated. Absolutely. Get, get some of your pets. Anybody got like some tigers? I heard they can get it. Take one home for your tiger. <laughs> In a town of 18, <laughs> Take a, population, one home for the tiger. a population of six tigers. <laughs> They've got to have some cryptid tiger just roaming around. You know, northern Minnesota, yeah. tiger territory. It, totally tiger territory. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe you put the vaccine in a dart gun. Mm. Mm. Get get some bears. Get yep. some bears. Anyway, or like, or like, if your ki- or if your kids just like crazy and hates needles, they just you just like go let them play on the park and then have a doctor just just dart gun. First them of all, and- you're not supposed to give that shit to kids. Secondly, you're not supposed to shoot your kids. Well, thirdly, not- doctors aren't supposed to shoot anyone. It's not shooting. It's more like helping. <laughs> it's it's helping with the projectile. It's helping with the projectile. What? Yeah, yeah. I think that's. You know, all right. Look, I'm. I'm we're gonna market this. All right, we're gonna we're, we're gonna, gonna find a way to market finesse, this. Okay. There's no, this. There is no we involved in that plan. But you go ahead. This is uh, oh. Ryan Copperwood's solo project. I'll be great. Don't <laughs> even worry about me. Ryan, what's your joy? Um, I've been look. I've been. Uh, I've been. Do, we talked about this. I've been doing dry January. Uh, so I haven't had a had a drink in 26 days. And, uh, man, been getting into the world of sugar-free ginger beer, and there are just so many, and many of them are quite delicious and refreshing and no calories, and uh, they just they put a little pep in your step, and that's been making my day, <laughs> having a little, a little ginger beer. Ginger beer is good stuff, man. Do you ever, you ever accidentally get too excited to drink your ginger beer, and right after you crack it, bring it up to your face, and all the ginger fizz goes up your nose, mm-hmm. you ever, and then... It's like it's kind of like a wasabi hit or like a um, mm. like a uh, I don't know what that is, uh, but that sounds weird. You snorting what? wasabi over there, bro? No, but like you know when you like inadvertently like you put too much wasabi on a roll and then it hits you in the back of the throat and it like goes up mm. your nose and you feel like you're gonna die for like a half second. Sure, sure. I don't you think know, it's that you, bad. I just feel like I kind of got a sneeze and then I usually drink some ginger beer. Yeah. Yeah, and you yeah. know, you're at home, you're suffering from like a cold or something. You're like, here, have some ginger ale, and you just like, you get a, you get a shot, you get that shot to that, the nose, and you're like, I'm a little more peppy. I'm a little more peppy yeah, right man. now. Just fucking neti pot that ginger beer, bro. Exactly. You right oh. up. Yo, <laughs> literally, will never ever have a sinus infection again. No, no you you will within like five minutes. <laughs> That or you just you'll just it'll just eat through the inside of your face and you won't have a nasal cavity at all. This has been this has been tough. Rob, what's bringing you joy? Man, there has been a lot of stuff bringing me joy. Um, That's awesome. For for one Friday, I get the second dose of the Pfizer vaccine, so I'm I'm fucking thrilled about that. Look at you, motherfucker! Hell yeah, yeah. buddy! Hell yeah! Yeah, buddy! Um. (laughs) Honestly, prepping for this uh, episode has been uh, one of the most fun things that I've done in a while, just because, like, 
Uh, I fell out hard with the UFOs there for a minute, and um, uh, a lot of the UFO community is bullshit and crap. But uh, there are certain members say. of it. Like, like this past summer, I have witnessed so many people that are fucking trash, like present their trash <laughs> goddamn views. And I'm like, I don't want to be a part of this. But then uh, there were a lot of people that um, I, I respected that um, uh, I um, talked to and, you know, they, they kind of reignited the spark. So um, I had initially pulled off the... Uh, original Our Strange Skies episodes, they're back online now. They're back Ayo. online. So you can find them, you can go listen to them. Um, I'm even working on new episodes, so... Nice. Oh, dip. Yeah. You got a new podcast? I do have a new podcast. It's called Rolling Through the Realms. It is a, an actual play Dungeons & Dragons podcast. And let me tell you, Dungeons & Dragons has been a savior for me during this entire pandemic, because uh, back... Like April of last year, I'm like, man, I really want to play D&D because it had been about a decade or so since I'd played it. And my friend Jen was like, hey, I'm starting up a game. Why don't you jump on board? And uh, it's been so goddamn fun to play in. And I'm like, you know what? I, I want to do a podcast. So got a bunch of friends together and we started doing this podcast, Rolling Through the Realms. Our first episode dropped last week, so you can oh, go yeah. find that. It's uh, it's a fun listen. Uh, you'll you'll laugh and um, you'll enjoy yourself. I had fun fun uh, making that world there. I have you... I had absolutely no idea what was happening because I've never played D anD D, and I still had a great time. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. D&D I, I, is, is so much fun because uh, it, it's one of the most unique forms of storytelling out there. It's it's interactive storytelling. You build the world and you, your players do whatever they want in that world. So, yeah, man. Oh, yeah, bro! <laughs> Are you DMing, Rob? Yes, I am DMing uh, the, the podcast, absolutely. Fuck yeah. I think we talked about this in the Facebook group, but even if you just need, like, some villains for one episode fuck i we should we would love to fucking oh we're, be we're bad at dun dungeons dungeons and dragons <laughs> on your podcast that sounds like a fucking great time fuck yeah dudes we're, we're gonna make this happen we're, we're yes. definitely let's gonna make this happen weird. let's get weird <laughs> all right buddy you got some alien story or an alien story oh, for us. Oh man, do and I, I have an absolutely alien story? Love to hear and shit. story time, story time <laughs> with Uncle Rob. It's story time, story time. I even, uh, I even uh, troubleshooted kind of a title for this one. Um, I'm calling oh, this uh, "What if you saw some brains on Dapple Gray Lane?" Such Ooh. a fucking mysterious title, right? It's it's oh. a good one. Also, a rap bar. Uh, totally a rap bar. Totally a fucking rap bar. Well, um, if you saw some brains all on Dapple... Wait, what was the Dapple Dap? Dapple, Dapple, Dapple Gray Dapple? Lane. Dapple Gray Dapple Lane. Dapple Gray Lane. Yep. Is that, um, is that one word, Dapple Gray? No, it's two. It's two words. Got it. But, uh, yeah, this incident goes back to 1971, and it kind of it was dormant for a while. It didn't come to light until it was published in a 1977 issue of Flying Saucer Review. Uh, and in this particular case, it took place in uh, uh, Palos Verdes uh, Peninsula in southwestern Los Angeles County. Very weird place to uh, see some brains, but um, the witnesses in this case were both given pseudonyms. 
the primary witness was a man named John Hodges. And uh, at the time, he was 23 years old. And uh, <laughs> six years later, he is described as a nervous guy, a chain smoker, unable to quit, moving from job to job. So... Yeah, he's uh, I mean, he, he apparently had some issues. I'm not totally sure if it was due to this UFO incident because it, it doesn't really kind of make that clear. But uh, that sounds like a dude in his 20s to me, honestly. <laughs> he, he, he does. He sounds a lot like me, you know, can relate, <laughs> can relate <laughs> totally. Uh, but um, he kind of uh, went from job to job for a while. He uh, he enrolled in college. Dropped out within a year, wasn't a fan of that. He uh, learned to be a key punch operator from IBM. Hated that. Uh, but uh, he found his calling, and this is uh, after the incident. He became a security guard. He received okay. training, and I shit you not, chemical warfare. That seems uh, a little unnecessary for security guard work. Uh, I would call bit. that OD. A little mm. OD. Very, very. Uh, Who provided was, him that training and why? I, I don't know. Like, the way that the investigator talked about it, she's called it parapolice. And I'm not even sure what the hell that is. That's not a term God, I'm America really familiar with. Just you the guys, stupidest place. Yeah. Do, you guys rem do you guys remember there was like a couple years after 9-11 happened where every... <laughs> 2002, like, 2003. I remember them well. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Right, it was like right around that time where everybody in the country was sure that for some reason they had some landmark in or near their hometown that was like gonna be the next attack location. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you remember this? Like everyone was like, Well, we have a mall or like we have a oil refinery or like we have a whatever and and then everyone came up with like why? I feel like this is like in Palos Verdes, they're like Look, this mall is very important, and it might get nerve gassed at some point. So we're teaching all our mall cops how to put on a face mask. The 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 immediate post nine eleven world was very strange because, yeah, it seemed like after that you had famous people receiving ricin in the mail. You had the DC sniper and all that kind of stuff. It was a very weary place. Weird. I had just gotten my first job like the week. Before 9-11 happened, I was a senior in high school. I know where I know I, I messed up the timeline there. I'm just saying it seems like a pretty over the top and unnecessary type of training for it a, is a security guard to have. But, it is. All right, sorry. Carry on. No, no. Depends you're on good, what you're garden, bro. Um, he, he wanted to become a police officer, but apparently he had very poor eyesight. Um, so, yeah, we, we have that uh, that night. The night of the incident, he was a, with a friend named uh, Pete Rodriguez, again, a uh, pseudonym. And Pete was a certified operating room technician, and he even taught classes in a large Southern California hospital. And uh, he was described as level-headed and a logical thinker, kind of like uh, the more reliable person of the pair. But um, the incident took place on either August 17th or 31st of 1971. We're still not totally sure because uh, you're going to find out that they find this information out through hypnosis, our friend here. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Oh. oh. Deep dive inside the mind. No wonder there's brains all over the place. <laughs> yeah. 
just all over the place. And uh, they were that night visiting a friend who is not actually named. They were there with another guy named Mike, but apparently Mike is not the the guy. But this uh, unnamed friend was a member of the Institute of General Psionics. What is that? I have no idea what that means. Like the cars? Just from the description in the article, apparently it was a parapsychological church. Oh, let's go. <laughs> um, follow up question. What is that? I don't know. I don't. It okay. doesn't exist anymore. I couldn't find anything about them on the Internet. Maybe maybe they do Ooh, exist the and they knows. just don't have an Internet presence. But I mean, like there are still two members of the Heaven's Gate cult that re- maintain their fucking website. Oh, yeah. So, I emailed with them for a while. It was fun. Did you? Yeah. What kind of responses did you get back? I was asking if they would send me VHS tapes, and they said they would, and then I got scared about giving them my address and uh, stopped responding to their emails. Man, mm. we need a new P.O. box for so many reasons. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing that uh, <laughs> that they were willing to send you VHSs. I mean, that's like, I think that's any, like, child to, like, teenager stream, like, way back in the day when rentals were huge, getting those to VHSs in the mail, man. Oh. Yeah, was we gotta start like the, the cult? We gotta start I mean, like you know, the, the Columbia the House. We gotta start like the Columbia House of Cult Indoctrination VHS tapes. Oh, wow. totally, totally. For ninety nine wow. cents, you can join thirteen different cults. <laughs> so cheap, so cheap. Um, so the the guys uh, were over at this one dude's house. And they were talking mostly about girls, as you do in your early 20s, I guess. You know, when you're 29. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, something you like that. You smoke cigarettes and talk about girls when you're in, in your 20s. Hell yeah. Why you got... they have cooties? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're chain smoking them. Like, the, like you're going to run out. They're going out of business. But um, at 2 a.m., uh, John and Pete decided to leave, and their car was parked at the southern end of uh, Dapple Gray Lane, which is, was a dead-end street. Um, the streets were surprisingly bright that night because uh, Los Angeles is bright enough to light up most of California itself, practically. But um, John... And and Pete made it to the car. They turned on their headlights, and within the high beams were a pair of extraterrestrial beings. What the fuck is that, kid? <laughs> exactly. That was Pete. Uh, but was what Pete. we're talking about here is not your typical alien fare. They weren't greys. They weren't mantis beings. No, like, racist Nordic motherfuckers out here. <laughs> we're seeing some shit we ain't never seen before, kid. <laughs> Uh, they, they weren't humanoid at all. Um, this is a, uh, this is a quote from John. Pete only remembers the larger one to the right, but I remember both of them. One was about the size of the trunk of a human body and the other, the size of an overgrown softball. They were both the shape of brains with dura matter, dura mater, sorry, still intact. Um, so Duramater. Overgrown um, softball is so funny to me. Softballs don't grow. <laughs> like if you don't trim them in time, they just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, pretty much. You gotta you gotta pluck them at their optimal ripeness in order to fit in those boxes of twelve. Exactly. Exactly. This one's a little too big, but um 
what he's referring to is um, our brains and our spinal cords, they have uh, protective coverings on them. They're called the meninges. And um, the uh, dura mater is like the outermost protective uh, part of that um, of that covering. And it's generally like a filmy blue color. But um, yeah, that that's um, it was apparently still intact. And you could definitely see some kind of filmy bluish color on the outside of it. On the larger one was some quote something red. It resembled a hematoma or a rupture or a pumping device. It could have been anything. I Ooh. don't know. Thank you Yucky. for that, John. <laughs> a, a brain with a heart. Pretty yeah, much. Given the essential, just the bare essentials of the human <laughs> organ system here. Oh my! Look at this fucking thing. <laughs> it's very extremely applicable today. More applicable than maybe ever before. Honestly. Yep. Very, very excited about this new opportunity. Continue, Rob. Uh, after this brief stare down, the uh, the next thing that John remembered was driving Pete home. He lived about five miles away from where they were, or sorry, five minutes away from where they were, and then he proceeded home and. When he walked through the front door, he looked at the kitchen clock and he noticed that it was now 4.30 a.m. That's right, boys. Oh, wait, man, we need fucking help, buddy. Some lost time. <laughs> we got some missing time here. We've got about... Oh, jeez. we got about two and a half hours worth of missing time. Um, it took John Hodges years to realize that he was missing about two and a half hours of time. Not wow. shitting you there. How, how does that happen? Hey, look. I know exactly how that happens. When you're hanging out with your friends banging heaters until two in the morning, you're also probably doing something else, which is called drinking. And when you drink, sometimes, just sometimes, you may think, okay, it's two o'clock, and then wake up to pee and go, it's 4.30, how did that happen? Yeah, 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 but but you realize that at 4.30, not 10 years later, right? Well, the way that they made it seem, it was uh, that they were made to forget over time what what they had experienced mm. you know oh, one of those dang. situations they got given <laughs> a, a a recommendation to let that just sort of taper exactly. into the distance exactly okay. right okay. ryan you you, okay. you you got it exactly right um, got it so the next day john and pete they call their friend and to see if there's any garbage rocks or dead animals in the road to account for what they had seen like oh, they're sure, still sure. recalling things consciously like they saw something in the road but okay some... sorry just to clarify they had memory of having this experience yes. the day afterwards yes but then it like went it. faded from there it's just kind of like so um shit went bad real it. Quick. okay you know what i mean so like um let me let me try to relate it to something. So when I was a when I was a teenager, I had a UFO sighting from my bedroom window. I was going to bed, it was like 9:30 at night or so. And uh, I looked out the window and I could see this like orange light and it just kept blinking on and off and it would appear in different spots in the sky. And I just went to bed and I forgot about it for maybe a couple years. And then I finally remembered, oh, yeah, I saw that UFO. So, like, I don't know if it's just something like you would figure seeing a, like a brain in the middle of the road would be something that you don't forget. But like, uh, it seems to be a common motif that 
they end up forgetting this stuff. Sure. See, but the bo- you all didn't happen to do a bunch of drugs, did you? Exactly. <laughs> the booze will do that. <laughs> I'm hammered drunk. <laughs> Spencer's on a mission to use every button on the soundboard in this story, I think. <laughs> Look, someone else, is, someone else is driving for once. I'm just smashing buttons the rest of the way. That's my only job here. That, absolutely. I told, you, I told you not to prep for this. I just sent you a bunch of images in, in that email, and I'm, I'm like... I pulled them up. I'm looking at them on my phone right now. They're pretty, uh, they're pretty excellent. Yeah, my say. only oh, yeah. my only job here is to make sure that Rob never gets any momentum going with this story. <laughs> it's, it, I don't need momentum going okay, with this perfect. thing. Good, um, good. But uh, John described how it was just like slowly bits and pieces of uh, what he remembered kind of just like died down until 1976 when he befriended UFO and abduction researcher Ann Ruffle. And uh, she died actually last year. She had uh, become interested in the topic in 1945 when she witnessed a UFO herself. And uh, this is a little bit from her obituary. It says, uh, Anne dated her interest in the UFO question from 1945 when, as a schoolgirl, she viewed a bright yellowish object high in clear blue skies over Long Beach, California. She and her mother, Aileen Walsh McElroy, watched the object as it slowly traveled west. After an hour and a half, having traveled about 30 degrees north-northeast to north-northwest, it released 15 to 20 smaller shiny objects, each taking varying paths out and away from the main object. As confirmed years later, this sighting occurred when the first experimental atomic bomb was exploded in New Mexico. I'm sorry, did you say that's from her obituary? Yes. That's awesome. Uh, I, I gotta, I'll send you the link to her obituary. It's, uh, it's pretty banging, uh, not going to lie. No. I mean, if I had a cool UFO story like that, I probably wouldn't have thought to put it in my obituary, but now it's going to be if I, if I ever have one. Oh, it's, I'm totally making room uh, in my obituary for my fucking sightings and shit. It's, uh, be like, hey, look, if I'm going to get in the paper... I'm gonna tell the world. They're gonna know. They're, <laughs> they're, they're gonna, gonna know. know. <laughs> they gotta know. They gotta know. Uh, she began investigating UFOs herself in 1957, uh, becoming one of NICAP's, uh, the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, or their, one of their first investigators, remaining with the group until 1973, at which point she joined the trash organization known as MUFON. Got him. <laughs> Or, as I like to call them, dumb MUFON, dumbass MUFON. Um, <laughs> she published... Em. What? What? You, you, may, you may it sound like they're like a... Like they're a trash collection service. The trash organization, <laughs> MUFON. They just I, drive around collecting trash. <laughs> I mean, at this point, um, after the year that they had last year, um, where they're... Um, intrepid leader was uh arrested i'm not gonna get into that incident if you guys want to get into that incident wait did you guys talk about that on the podcast no you didn't talk about what jan harzan got arrested for no okay no that's that seems like one of those things that fits our that's just sounds like a bummer list and we probably would have ejected that from our from our brains at some time, I at some point though, I do want to talk to you about that and about fucking to the stars imploding. Yeah, 
no, absolutely. That that that'll be a, a fun day for that, for yeah. sure. Um, and a meltdown publish- maybe for all of us. Oh fuck yeah, fuck yeah. We we all need that. <laughs> we definitely need that. Um, and published a number of books on psychic phenomenon and alien abductions. Her most famous book though is 1998's How to Defend Yourself Against Alien Abduction. Oh yeah, yes. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> it's still in print today, boys. You can go buy that on on uh, Amazon or wherever you want to get it from. Oh my God, awesome! Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm in danger. Yep. <laughs> so Anne became interested in this story because of the missing time elements to it, and recommended that John undergo hypnosis. Of course. She referred him to Dr. William McCall, a family physician who used hypnosis to treat addiction and pain, which seems to be a little more common in the 1970s than I initially thought it it was. Because um, I remember, uh, I mean, you guys covered the David Stevens abduction when you were doing that uh, episode about weird shit from Maine. And... Mm -hmm. um, uh, there was uh, the guy that was, uh, what the hell is his name? I can't remember his name, but um, he uh, was doing the regressive hypnosis and he was a family physician that basically did it to, you know, treat pain and stuff like that. Mm. Same kind of deal. Um, the first session was conducted on April 14th, 1976. And in it, John described how the brain began moving forward and speaking to him. Yes. We gotta Let's call go. the aquarium or something, dude. Let's go. <laughs> Quote, we're sitting in the car. It is talking to us, not with words, but with something in our mind. Yes. Telling us what we must be careful, that there are many things we do not understand. If we do not take the time to understand ourselves, we will be the instruments of our own fate. That there are Ooh. many like us, and we will come to know our place in the world. Then the larger one moves back and says, we will meet again. Until that time, you will not remember what has gone on here. Good job. <laughs> he really is. He's going to try to use every button. Before <laughs> again, it's one of the stories. This is uh, a UFO story that has slipped under the radar. And uh, I've only seen like one guy on YouTube cover it. So uh, this is uh, fucking A. Um, I love the, the exclusive. I, I love the idea. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Spencer. Oh, I was just screaming exclusive. Don't mind me. <laughs> exclusive. <laughs> I love the idea of like, like this big brain and little brain sidekick and the big brains talking and the little brains just hanging out, <laughs> being a, being a floating overgrown grapefruit, <laughs> like, yeah pulsating thoughts into these guys heads while they're shit faced at two in the morning oh yeah (laughs) totally um the interesting thing is is you're gonna find out why one brain is bigger than the other (laughs) oh let's go uh john goes on to describe taking pete home driving to his house and then falling asleep in the driveway he dreams of talking (laughs) to the brain in the middle of the road And he begins to question it, asking him why he chose him. 
And then he tells us that he is enveloped by something that he can't quite explain, but there's like a buzzing sound that's also like around him at all times. And he's transported to a large room with a number of figures performing a variety of tasks. Uh-oh. What the fuck are you doing here, little buddy? Uh-oh. <laughs> One of the brains begins to speak to him. He tells John that everything, everyone in this room is monitoring Earth because, as the brain puts it, there is too much power on Earth. On a large screen, on a large television-like screen, the brain shows John various parts of the world. The images he's shown are like three-dimensional in nature, and there are a number of pinpoints of light. All across the map. They were mostly in the United States, Europe, and Russia. And if you haven't guessed by this point, it's where nuclear arms are stored, boys. Mm. Classic alien move. Yeah, totally classic alien move. Uh, the beings then showed John another planet that was destroyed because, quote, they had too much power. Quote, I can, I can hear him. He doesn't have a mouth, but he has a voice. It's English. Must be English, because I can understand it. No accent. It sounds like a man. I can hear him in my mind. The voice comes within me. But it sounds like you are talking to me. He floats, seems to be at eye level with me, has no arms or legs. He's just a brain, end quote. Hmm. Floating brains, boys. We got floating brains. I'm so into this now. That was fucked. That was a bit fucked. He goes on to describe... It, what? Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. He goes on to describe the red spot on the bigger brain as if it's a light. There are, there were other entities in the room. Um, quote, they are tall, skin gray, yellow eyes, very thin eyes, mouths but no lips. Funny flat noses. I feel like Got this him. is like a Frank Sinatra song in like, you know, <laughs> the writing here. Um, their hands have long fingers, long, thin fingers, six fingers and a thumb, which the funny thing is, is like there's only I think um, I think that uh, he might be short a finger on uh, on the sketches, but I could be wrong. Um, we we went from being floating brains to having fingers and toes. Um, there are other. The, he's describing other entities. These are the entities oh, that are at the different control panels doing things. Um, when you were describing the floating brain, did you guys ever watch Aqua Teen Hunger Force? Yes. Yeah. I just keep thinking about Meatwad's voice. Oh, it definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um, I'm gonna go back a little more old school, and I'm gonna think was, of Krang from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's who oh, I've sure. been picturing this whole time. Yeah. I can get with that too. Yep. Um, You're right about the drawing, Rob. It's the drawing has six total yeah. fingers, including the thumb. Okay. Their hands have long, thin fingers, six fingers and a thumb. They're webbed more or less from the palm to the first knuckle. Their feet are much the same. They're barefoot, but not naked, wearing gray vests and gray pants. Looks like a kind of plastic or vinyl with a spongy cuff. Something like a donut around their ankle. No belt, oh. but a line seems to separate the pants from the vest. That's an important detail. Um, <laughs> the greatest detail about these folks is that they're about seven feet tall. Okay. 
These what? taller beings all seem to be performing tasks on a co computer board. And shortly after viewing nuclear disaster via TV screen, John was again enveloped in this mysterious buzzing sound, and he was transported back to his car. And it was now 4.30 a.m. It's raining motherfuckers! <laughs> really is. John <laughs> believed. I love a world in which putting people back on Earth out of alien spaceships is just like rocket firing them back into the seat of a car, just like wham. <laughs> the, the the thing is, is like there's very few instances where UFO witnesses describe like the actual like coming back. It's usually like this instantaneous thing. There's one case. It's called the. Um, Allagash abductions. These four guys they were camping uh, in like the mo remotest part of fucking Maine possible. Like there were parts where they actually had to be flown in, and the rest of the time they were on canoes. And they talked about like when they were being taken up into this UFO, they described being in like this tunnel of light that like uh, it took them uh, a, a little bit to get through, but like. Yeah, the transportation process that these guys are working with sounds completely unpleasant, and um, I don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, I I agree. Cosign, <laughs> I cosign that take thoroughly. Yeah, um, John believed that what he was shown was a holographic projection of sorts. That's the way Aunt Druffle described it, too. But when asked why he was shown the things he was shown, John went off the deep end. And here we go, boys. Strap in for this one. Quote, oh, buddy. I'm probably going to hate myself for saying this, but I will. As a researcher, it started clicking in my mind. Instead of taking everything, uh, UFO reports, on an individual basis, why not look at it as an overall picture? The Betty and Barney Hill case, the Pascagoula incident, they don't they don't make sense individually. Then you get to Patrolman Shermer. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this case. This is um, the abduction of uh, uh, a uh, Ashland, Nebraska police officer named Herbert I Shermer. I don't know what that one. His it's, name is uh, Herbert Shermer. <laughs> Herbert Shermer, yeah. That's he, a um, fantastic man. Shermer. And the thing about this guy is he was actually, he was, um, <laughs> he was a, a very intelligent man. He, um, he studied abroad. He knew multiple languages. He, um, really like logical police officer. Like, uh, everybody talked about how he was kind of above board in, um, on December 3rd, 1967, he was taken on board a UFO by these very strange looking humanoid aliens that kind of had, um, lizard like eyes in a way. They had yellow eyes that were very, uh, creepy looking. They had, um, they were very like gaunt figures, but, uh, they basically brought them on board. They showed them around their ship and they made like crazy claims about like how this was an invasion and, and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, as, um, John here is referring to this case. Uh, they gave him almost the exact warning as they did to me. Shermer questioned them. Why? And they actually came out. We want to confuse the people and prepare them for our invasion. The thing is, is like the way that he says it is not necessarily the way that Shermer says it went down. Like they were 
showing him around the ship, but he didn't totally understand them all that well. Uh, but, um, you know, when when you've gone off the deep end, you can make the facts fit whatever you want. Um, True. Shermer, <laughs> Shermer himself interpreted that they mean this in a, a friendly way. But if so, why did they want to confuse people? I'm not a religious fanatic. I like to see myself as a logical human being. I may be wrong, but I started comparing the Bible and the Kabbalah, the fallen angel, the angel of death, the beast, etc. In Revelations. What the fuck, my guy? <laughs> you find described not so much a spiritual happening, but a logical, well-set invasion that will wipe out one third of mankind and lead up to total world domination. <laughs> This guy's, this guy's going in. It gets He's better. He's fucking ready. It gets better. Uh, it gets I'm still, better. <laughs> I'm still open for evidence that will point me in another direction. But everything in UFO research, back to the Foo Fighters, is a logical progression building up to something. The contacts and communications are to confuse, to prime the people to trust them. It's almost like a religious thing, to have people almost worship these craft. My experience fits in as... Uh, fits in as a little part, a warning, telling us to get rid of our nuclear arms. There's a possibility that our nuclear arms pose a viable threat to their ability to come in and take over. They seem definitely concerned with these warheads. The only reason I use the Bible, specifically Revelations, is because it seems to tie in. Eliminate the spiritual hocus-pocus, and there's definitely a logical link. Specifically, the beast, Antichrist. I would equate as the number one honcho above these things. Give me a hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so just to clarify, John's hypnotic regression in later learnings has has led him to the belief that aliens or UFO abduction and visitation is a byproduct of Satan? Satan is sending aliens to the earth to take it over? If you, Hell yeah! <laughs> if you look at like uh, some of the progressive thought processes behind UFOs and uh, the further back that you go into like, um, you know, like biblical history and, and, and history in general and the lens that people are. Uh, often squeeze ufos into it's like okay well the the angels are the aliens now and and that type of thing it's like okay so it repackages itself every so often every so many hundred years because like people's beliefs keep changing or something like that so i get where his line of logic is coming from it's flawed as fuck but it's just sure it's not far off from like where you get the ancient aliens folks it's not far off from uh even you know Jacques Vallée has talked about this stuff um a lot of respectable UFO researchers have talked about that so it's like evolving manifestations mm -hmm. as we as society okay sure sure yeah bro that I'm sorry that hell yeah is the most <laughs> aggressive sounder I think we've ever had you're welcome. It's like 14 <laughs> seconds long. <laughs> and for that reason, there's very rarely an application can, for it. Can you play it one more time? I just need to hear it one more time. Hell yeah! <laughs>
from when very like very early in the pandemic uh. when WWE was just like continuing their their matches as normal but with no crowds and they did this uh. like very like Eric Andre asked surreal approach to it where they were doing all the like hype bits and crowd interaction bits, but with no but crowd no one was there and oh. they would cut to like just empty chairs and shit. Yep. Yeah. And, 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 uh, stone cold goes, <laughs> give me a hell yeah. And yeah. one of the announcers from the other side of the arena goes, and they're the only two people in the whole arena. <laughs> no, I remember. I remember that promo. It was the best fucking thing uh, God, during the awesome. early part of the fucking pandemic. And that part where he goes, thank you for the participation. <laughs> thank you very much for the participation. <laughs> that whole thing is brilliant, man. He's He's got this one, too. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, because it was uh, Stone Cold Appreciation uh, Night. <laughs> yeah, but there's no one there. <laughs> Poor Such a good bit, dude. I laughed my ass off when I first saw that. No, it's fucking great. Uh, there have been Tough some definite like killer wrestling moments from this pandemic. <laughs> All right, so the the brain tells them that they're they're trying to confuse us and they're here for the nukes and whatnot. No, that's not even what the brains say. The brains say, oh, you guys are getting too powerful. You should do something about your nukes. And he's construing it to say, oh, they're trying to confuse us because they're going to invade. And like, they haven't even said that. I'm like, mm. where, where are you drawn on that? And like, there are like a few interesting cases that come to mind of uh, people saying that these aliens are uh, going to not nece- maybe not necessarily invade, but they they need a place to live. Like, um, there's an interesting case from 1970. Eight to about 1981, this guy, uh, Pierre Fortunato Zanfretta, uh, an Italian guy, claimed to have like multiple abduction events um, involving these very strange 11 foot tall green aliens. They're like nothing uh, like anybody's ever seen before. They're very um, they have these like, I don't know, like. um you know how in um, the Fifth Element, those aliens with the the, the big heads, they they, they kind of had like flared ends on their heads. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that, but I do. it kind of reminded me that, of that a little bit. And their mouths almost looked like they had some like electronic device on them. They were very creepy looking. But nice. he claimed that these aliens were looking for a new home. And, um, you know. You have stories like that that pop up from time to time. That's an interesting case. You guys should totally cover that one. How how tall were they? About 11 feet tall. Yeah, that boy big! Yep. Totally. Totally. Um, <laughs> so the interesting thing here is Pete would actually confirm a lot of what John said about the initial incident when they had left the friend's house. Um at first, uh, when asked about the creatures in the road, he said that it, it couldn't he couldn't discern totally what it was uh, up front, but he knew it wasn't a rock or, quote, something. He said it looked like it was alive in, in some way. And later on, wild him, if as as soon as they pulled up on it, he was like, oh, that's an alien brain. Yeah. Yep, totally, (laughs) totally an alien brain. Um, Later under hypnosis, of course, um, and this session was conducted by Ann Druffle herself, who would go on 
to get her like certification through the American Institute of Hypnosis in Southern California, as one does. Uh, he, yeah, he would go on to say that the creature he saw looked like a brain with a red light on it. He also claimed that he could see a light off to his left, indicating that it could have been connected to a UFO. And there's uh, that one sketch, and I'll share this in the in the Facebook group, all these images and stuff. Um, if you guys look at the image where it's a like a kind of like a shot from behind of the car, and you can see the the brain in the middle of the road, and it looks like there's a light coming from the left. That's kind of what he's referring to. Um, oh, I got you. So like a it's like a spotlight, yeah, illuminating kind of. the road. I, yeah, okay, exactly. Um, so John Hodges would undergo another hypnosis session as well, done by Ann Truffle, and he came to the conclusion that the brains were being used as translators for the seven foot tall beings who had the long hands and toes. Um, oh. Basically, the larger brain with the light on it. He said that it was older than the other brain that was in the road. That's why it looked the way that it did. That's why it was bigger. Yeah. Yeah. He said it was like old. The way that he talked about it, he made it seem like it was nearing retirement. <laughs> he's done his he's done his visitation and translation duties. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. Lived a, a, a good, long heart brain life. Yeah. Um. <laughs> The the interesting thing here is that when they left, uh, it, when they uh, were walking towards the car, they would have had literally had to have walked by these things in order to get to the car. Like if uh, there's a in one of the images, you can see a map of the driveway and the street and stuff like that. And the path that they took, they literally had to walk by these things before they even got in the car. Uh, and Pete Rodriguez, during his hypnosis session, claimed that uh, they had actually run to the car, but like it's kind of, you know, a little seedy in there. But um, when they um, turned on their high beams, not only did they see the brains in the road, but they were also surrounded by kind of like a fog a little bit. Um, John Hodges went on to say that the the larger brain floated up over the hood and then began talking to him. Its exact words to him were, take the time to understand yourselves. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that is the story of the brains on Dapple Gray Lane. Take the time to understand yourselves. That's exactly, boys. Exactly. You? I like... <laughs> You said you said that was Pete's. That's what Pete said. They said to him, "No, Pete never actually claimed that they spoke to him. John was mm. the only one that ever claimed like telepathic communication with these things." Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. But Pete verified, like, no, he definitely saw some shit. Yeah, he's like he he verified. I mean, he verified that there was something in the road. Like the hypnosis is kind of spotty because he's basically just saying like because um, it's hypnosis. Yeah, under hypnosis, oh yeah, it looked like a brain. Looked like a brain. And like, uh, we're getting we're leaving objective territory right now, you know. Because <laughs> what I find interesting is that there is some kind of like conscious recall, like not long after the incident took place, that something happened. And like they were literally compelled to call their friend and say, Is there something in the road that could account for what we saw the, the night yeah, before? Sure. But like 
after that, it just departs into like very strange contacty kind of stuff. Because uh, in this case, like given that it is, uh, if you want to call it an abduction, like there are abductions that um, are labeled abductions, but don't seem like abductions. Like the Herbert Shermer incident that I mentioned, he wasn't forced on board the UFO. He walked on of his own free will. At least that's what he says he did. Uh, there are other cases like this in which, you know, people are just like, oh, hey, come on board. Take a look. See what see what we got going on here. And, well, and these guys don't really describe a transition to being on board, right? It's just like they went from conversation to being on board. It went from like conversation to I've got to I got to bring Pete home real quick. Let me bring him home. Okay, yeah. I'm in my driveway now. And then like in his brain, it's like he I'm transported onto goes this ship. there. Right, right. Like, but there's no like, there's no walking aboard for him. No. Yeah. No. No. It's just like um, no beam of light pulling him up into. Yeah, exactly. Ocean. And like the way that he describes it, it just seems like he went to sleep and he dreamed of these aliens. Sure. That can't be right. That couldn't possibly be what happened here. <laughs> I mean, we've got solid investigating from Ann Druffle here. And, like, I like Ann. She's she's written a couple of really great books. She wrote a, a biography of a guy named um, John D. McDonald, who was kind of like a J. Allen Hynek figure in the UFO world. Definitely fought for uh, more of a scientific study. And um, it's a good book if you want to read it. But, uh, yeah, she um, she definitely... She was out there a little bit. Um, I mean, how, how can you not when you're writing books called How to Defend Yourself Against Alien Abduction? I mean, and, and that book is baller. Let me tell you, there are stories in it of people just fighting off aliens. It's great. That's Keep awesome. Ninja stars in your pocket. <laughs> it was That's kinda, how. It, yeah, it was like a how to of like, you know, fending off these fucking aliens from taking you. This is what you need to do. Just like, you know, slam one in the face or something. Oh, 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 exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Hell yeah. Rob, okay. it's been an absolute pleasure, buddy. Uh, yeah, Sto man. Totally. Story time. Story time with Uncle Rob live is my new favorite uh, kind of story time with Uncle Rob. And I think Ryan. we might have to do this again. It's it's unplugged, not live. Uh, yeah, come on. <laughs> Story time I mean, with Uncle Rob. The acoustic unplugged. sessions. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, it, was, it was fun, boys. It was definitely fun. I will, uh, I will comb the the UFO journals for more fun stories like this one. For more brains. Yes. <laughs> Find the brains. Actually, uh, no, I no, I got the I got the story for next time. Next time we'll talk about the flying jelly bags. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. <laughs> All uh, right, buddy. Hell yeah. Uh, Rob, do you want to tell the people where to find your stuff one more time, real quick, before we jump? Oh, man. I am. I, if you really want podcasts, I am involved in four of them. So you can uh, check out uh, Our Strange Skies at the Our Strange Skies podcast archive. You can find my music podcast, The Coda, a music podcast, uh, pretty much anywhere you find podcasts, as well as The Order of Podcasters, which is another kind of like, it's kind of like D&D, &D, but it's a different game. It's in a modern setting. I play a George Norrie-like character on that show, and it's fun. So um, track that down. And uh, Rolling Through the Realms, we just dropped our first episode. Go give that a listen. Hell yeah, buddy. 
Hey, good shit. We appreciate you, Rob. This has been the What If Podcast. If you want to listen to more of us, you can do that too. It's uh, patreon.com slash whatifpodcast for just five bucks a month. You get access to all of our back catalog of over 150 episodes plus a second episode every single week. You're hearing the free one. The paid one comes out on Fridays at patreon.com slash whatifpodcast. Uh, you can go to whatifpodcast.com for the shop, for links to other stuff. It's at whatifpod on all the socials. That's all we know. We out of here. We love you. Bye. That's it. No more buttons. No more buttons. Oh, wait, man. We need fucking help. (laughs) Gotcha. Okay, one more button. (laughs) Just one.